Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand insight strategies and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, what I'd like to talk about is the changes over the last couple of years to borrowing capacity. So obviously there's been lots of focus on the banks from a couple of different directions. Uh, the Financial Services Royal Commission that's currently in tow uh, certainly the government's been putting pressure on the banks to reduce the amount of investment lending that they've been making. Um, and also APRA has been putting pressure in regards to prudential lending standards to really sort of tighten up the whole loan approval process. And a consequence of all these things and focuses has meant that an individual's borrowing capacity has probably reduced between somewhere between 20 and maybe 50% over the past two to three years. Now, naturally, if your borrowing capacity is reduced, then your ability to invest is also reduced, assuming you use borrowings to uh, to build your investment portfolio. If you don't use borrowings to you, to build your investment portfolio or you can't, then you're really relying upon your after-tax income, your ability to save after-tax income to build wealth, and that's a much slower path to wealth. So um, will these changes in lending and borrowing capacity have a dramatic impact on your ability to achieve your retirement goals? Well, that's the topic of today's podcast. So there's a few strategies and tips and things that you can do to mitigate any of the negative consequences uh, of these uh, major changes. And the first one is you need to be more proactive and plan ahead your borrowing requirements. So it used to be, certainly uh, five or more years ago, it'd be a, a rather common occurrence where we'd get phone calls on the Monday morning from existing clients saying, hey, Stuart, just bought another investment property. I guess we need to arrange a, a loan. And so they go out and, and confidently go and bid at properties and buy properties, even though they might not have spoken to us or have a pre-approval in place and so forth. And whilst that was probably a risky strategy at that point as well, it's an it's even more risky strategy today, given the constant changing uh, lending environment. So what you're actually better off to do is actually sit down with your mortgage broker or financial planner and really get an understanding of, okay, what are my longer term goals? And say over the next five years, what do I expect to need to do in respect to my loans? So how do my loans need to change to accommodate those goals? And then you can strategically work out when those changes need to be made as opposed to just waiting until the time and then making the changes then. So a little more planning. The next tip is you absolutely need to proactively maximise your borrowable equity. So borrowable equity is really the amount of access to equity that you can have at any one time, and it's going to be determined by two things, the property's value and any existing loans against that property and that gap. Uh, and then the second thing is your income and expenses, so your ability to service more debt. And what I would, uh, my typical advice to investors, particularly active investors in the market, is to proactively maximise your borrowable equity and always increase your limits to 80%. 80% of the current value of your particular properties. Even though you might not have a particular need to utilise those borrowings at this point in time, to, to find strategic times to do that, and that might be different for different properties as well. You know, different properties will value up uh, better at different times of the market and cycles of the market and so forth, so you need to think about that. There's a... There's a few common benefits of 
um, regularly, I'd say every say one to three years, going back to your bank and going to your mortgage broker and saying, let's increase limits to 80%. There's a few benefits of that. Obviously, to fund future investments or home upgrades, renovations, those sorts of things, locking in the equity proactively makes, uh, makes sense. Secondly, it improves your buffers. So you've got more of a, a credit buffer in case there's any sort of changes in circumstances or income or so forth. And uh, lastly, if there's changes in your situation, your financial situation that negatively impacts your borrowing capacity, well, you're better off to borrow today when you don't need the money rather than wait until tomorrow when your circumstances have changed. You need the money, but because your circumstances have changed, you can't get it. So proactively maximising borrowable equity. Number three is start early. Don't waste time. I think this is probably good advice irrespective of the uh, borrowing capacity changes, but uh, building wealth is more of a marathon than it is a sprint. And becoming financially independent does take a bit of time. Now, if we've got a lower borrowing capacity, then it's going to be harder to catch up. It's going to be hard up to, harder to make up for lost time. So therefore, procrastinating in a, in a low borrowing capacity environment actually um, it costs us a whole lot more than what it used to. Now, I could meet people, sometimes new clients in their 50s, early 50s, late 40s, and they've got very little assets to show, but maybe a, a good borrowing capacity. In that situation, we could um, make some pretty um, significant decisions to you know, go out and buy a couple of investment properties or so forth. And uh, it certainly uh, three, four, five years ago, that was that was doable where borrowing capacity limits were. But now maybe the same people can only go and borrow one investment property. And so procrastinating and, and waiting before you're able to start your investment journey can, uh, can cost you a, a whole lot more uh, these days. Uh, also, I find that typically there's windows of opportunity to start investing. And, and for people that um, are planning on, on starting or having a family or already have a family, uh, they typically be the, the best time to, to really build wealth is typically before you start a family because before you start a family, uh, you've typically got a household of two incomes. Your expenses are, are quite manageable. And most of the expenses are discretionary items at that point in time. And so you've got a good capacity to, to put towards uh, investing. And then when you start a family, so really from when you start a family until the kids are in secondary school, it's a really difficult time to build wealth. You know, typically in that situation, your expenses are much higher, childcare, nappies, all these sorts of things, healthcare, uh, and your income is reduced. You know, typically both partners, or one or both partners might not be working full time. So really difficult. But once the kids go to get into um, second, uh, sorry, I should say primary school, it's a little bit better. Expenses normalise, uh, then your ability to in earn an income uh, as a as a family increases as well. Uh, the next uh, difficult time, particularly if you're going to send your kids to private schools, is that secondary school. Often uh, clients often send their kids to private secondary school. And that can obviously be a, a quite an expensive exercise and really eats into surplus cash flow. So then the next best time to invest is when the kids are getting close to finishing uh, secondary school. Uh, that's not leaving it too late. I mean, you're much better off to start earlier or sooner. But um, but if that's the case, it is the case. So really, it's before you start a family, when the kids are in um, primary school, and then when the kids are finished schooling altogether. They're the windows of opportunity, and you've really got to make the most of them. Uh, the last point I would say, second last point in fact, is that now more than ever, it's quality over quantity. 
So, if we, our borrowing capacity is reduced, it means that we can only invest we can invest a whole lot less in the marketplace. Maybe, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, somewhere between twenty and fifty percent less. If that's the case, then it's even more important that every asset that we invest in works. And the best way for your assets to work is quality. You can't expect above average returns from an average or below average quality asset, whether it's a property or share or whatever. So you really have to focus on the quality of your assets. You know, make sure all your properties are investment grade assets. Uh, make sure you're, if you're investing in the share market, you, you're employing a low cost indexed rules based, evidence based approach because that's what's going to work long-term, making sure your super is in a low-cost environment, these sorts of things that I've talked about lots before. But but asset selection and quality and uh, selecting the right methodologies and so forth become even more important in this environment. And lastly, I would say have an integrated team. You know, um, managing your borrowing capacity and tax outcomes and so forth, and also getting some financial advice, they're all interrelated and they need to be considered holistically. Certainly in my experience, uh, writing Investopoly the book and my experience over the last 16 years of advising clients, I I certainly appreciate how you need to have that well-rounded advice. So make sure your team is all on the same page. Um, uh, or, or the, the person that's advising you certainly knows enough about property and shares and tax and uh, borrowing and so forth. So uh, the changes certainly uh, create some challenges, I guess, but the challenges aren't insurmountable as long as we really just get better advice and we do more forward planning. So that's it for this uh, podcast. Until next week, bye for now.